0: Hey everyone, this is Bradley, editor-in-chief and co-founder of Merchant Fraud Journal. We're going to have Jimmy from Sayon on the podcast for this episode. We had a great discussion talking about fraudsters stealing digital identities and breaking into actual physical telephone boxes. So you definitely don't want to miss this one. It was a wild one. I had a great time talking with Jimmy. Uh, really appreciated him coming onto the program. Really appreciate everyone listening out. there. response has been great. And remember, you can get all the latest insights and e-commerce fraud tips and news on MerchantFraudJournal.com. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. And we're here with Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing, man?
1: Yeah, really good, Bradley. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for being here. Um, so why don't we start off, tell me a little bit, tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself, your solution, let you get all that good stuff uh, up front, and then we'll we'll jump in.
1: Yeah, sure. Um so uh, I, I have a, I have a, the, the very great privilege of uh, serving as CCO um, Chief Commercial Officer for uh, quite an early stage risk tech startup uh, called Seon, um, and uh, yeah, we're pre uh, pre Series A seed funded, uh, been around just come up to three years just now, Bradley, and we focus in on providing. Um, real-time uh, data enrichment uh, particularly known for social footprinting um, and then also a end-to-end risk platform for making real-time decisions and we kind of focus in on uh, what we call the high risk sector and um, so for us we um, designate high risk as essentially whenever something happens there's almost no recourse so that covers a quite a wide domain obviously <laughs> uh, so for us classically it's uh, 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 folk in the i-gaming industry uh, so once an interaction happened, there's no recourse, and then uh, through to crypto exchanges, um, to uh, I would say more challenger banks, which have very low um, kind of legacy tech stacks, and um, using our using our technology, uh, and then of course e-com and uh, travel merchants as well, and um, so quite quite a wide space there.
0: Excellent. Well, we're very happy to have your fierce, I think Scottish accent on the program, <laughs> which is always amazing to my American ears. To hear that fierce Scottish mm-hmm. accent. So, thanks for joining us. So, I wanna I wanna jump in right off the bat here and hear your craziest story. And and just so our our listenership knows, I don't actually hear these stories beforehand. So you're getting my organic reaction. Um, the craziest story that you have for preventing uh, e-commerce fraud.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, so, so, so I think the nature of our customer base, because they're in these kind of like right on the edge kind of wild use cases, uh, whether it's esports betting, you know, kind of these kind of new frontier domains, and uh, we hear these uh, uh, on a very regular basis. <laughs> um, so so uh, there's a couple that spring to mind. The first one is... Um, is around uh, we, we uh, one of our one of our customers and uh, we serve a lot of customers within the online lending space and um, so uh, one of them recently was telling us a story about how for them uh, the kind of things they're facing are uh, they have as part of their onboarding they take ids they take um, as part of a kyc uh, aml kind of compliance reasons all around the world and they have to take uh, literally the ids from uh, these kind of prospective new customers and they were seeing actually the kind of growth of face swapping as part of these IDs. What? So yeah, so it's, yeah, so, so you kind of hear this in media news, right? Is you see now Elon Musk and uh, Donald Trump. There's lots of these memes of uh, people literally uh, kind of coming in and uh, using uh, consumer-grade face swap uh, AI tools to m- make crazy memes of all these famous characters. Well, unfortunately, that kind of consumer-grade, you know, stuff. Which was, you know, used for kind of common comedic reasons, is <laughs> being used. We've seen in the actual fraud domain as well. So if you think about it, an ID of Bradley, uh, you know, someone you know halfway across the world, just as easily could be swapping in uh, and using your IDs uh, off that, which is kind of crazy, right?
0: Yeah. So how are they doing that? So I can understand where you're getting enough info, or enough data for someone like an Elon Musk or or some kind of famous politician, you know, well-known politician, whatever, but for just me, right? Little, little old me hanging out somewhere in my basement, my mom's basement, whatever, trying to play some online gaming. Where, where are people, where are people getting this stuff? That's, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. So unfortunately nowadays, um, I think every week goes by and you hear another big, massive data breach, right? Uh, Of a a name. And now I think as people, we are just, kind of fairly nonplussed when we hear another brand has lost hundreds of millions of records all of that clearly floats in on a secondary and tertiary market into somewhere Uh, so so it used to be i would say uh, a few years ago bradley you would have to go into um, the dark web to go grab this stuff but spend five minutes now on the clear web and you find the exact same stuff so unfortunately you, yeah, your details, right? they have no doubts. You know, we, we can all go into have I been pwned, for example. Yeah. And you'll see how many data breaches uh, you've been in. So, so what's happening is, um, it used to be people have to go on the dark web to grab this, but this is on the clear web now. Yeah, uh, I have no doubts. If we were to spend five minutes, maybe that's an interesting experiment. Maybe we should do that for you know five minutes. Yeah, Look you can up could yeah, find out the. Uh, I don't.
0: There, there's no. Uh, there's no uh, gold at the end of that rainbow with me, though. You're just gonna find a bunch of debt, and who the heck knows what else? Nothing. Nothing that's gonna be of any use to a fraudster. So I guess I fall into that category of yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, whatever. You you want my student loan debt? Go for it. You can you can go pay it off. That's cool. <laughs>
1: so so to the extension of that, though, unfortunately, one of those elements, and I have no doubt, that's where we're finding more and more um, kind of. Uh, your own ID uh, 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 is, is stuff, whether it's a face of yours or uh, is, is out there, that's the reality. And so these ID documents that you know we think are super safe with all these different entities, and you've probably done it before you signed up for an online service. And at some point or other, you've probably had to upload your passport pic or your driver's license or some bit of actual official ID That's all part of um, cash data, unfortunately, that fraudsters are trading back and forth quite freely nowadays. And that's that's a scary thing, obviously.
0: And so that's what I'm getting at is just that one photo enough to to recreate. I thought with these types of deep fake things that they needed to have multiple different versions of a face to kind of get it right. Because can't the software tell if you've just copy pasted? I assume if I went into a Word document and copy pasted my face onto something else that a serious vendor is gonna catch that. So there has to be something that's more sophisticated going on here, right? So where are they getting the ability from just a, a single ID upload that maybe I did to to put money onto an online gaming site? How is that one image enough to to fake in the future? That's really fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah, and, and and unfortunately the short
1: answer to all of this is it is as scary as that. And that's what's crap for the rest of us, right? Is yes, it's obviously even stronger, more robust, better if it's multiple images. And chances are that, that, that there are multiple images of Bradley floating around there, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, we've seen stuff um, you know, that it is taking a single image and the algos are good enough, sophisticated enough to be able to uh, kind of uh, recreate almost uh, a yeah, wow. different version. And it's not a surprise, I mean, this is all part of a bigger trend. Crime as a service is the thing that's kind of scaling up as well. I think sometimes people that don't work in risk and fraud, they don't realize how consumer-like this is becoming, right? It's how convenient it's becoming. Uh, so for the flip side of us, um, it's you know there's no code. Just like in, in our tech world, no code uh, is a thing. It's also a thing for uh, the, the kind of our criminal adversaries. No code is a thing there as well. <laughs>
0: wow. I, I love that phrase. You just blew my mind with that phrase, crime as a service. So can I, you, you got to dive into that more for me, kind of the ways that you're seeing that ecosystem develop and what's going on that would cause you to, to use that phrase. That, that's great. I, I'm going to steal that. I'm, I'm letting you know now. I love that yeah. phrase.
1: It goes into, so it's, it's it's pretty interestingly documented. I would say that um, uh, a big part of uh, the kind of misconception is hacking, fraud, is perpetuated with people with deeply technical skills. Um, and I think on any bit of cursory research, you'll find that the big trend nowadays is it's not so much um, people that are deep hackers. Deep hackers have coded up and created uh, much more... Uh, user friendly um, kind of interfaces for I would say recreational kind of criminals to kind of get into that space as long as your mindset is that you're happy to exploit um, some sort of weakness uh, and you're happy to bear the consequence of uh, criminal activity and the potential retribution that brings then like it's as easy as pie to get into, and um, what we found is there's a slippery slope. So some of this stuff um, on the clear web is kind of masked as it uh, looks like fairly legit kind of uh, side hustle kind of activities, for example. So you know, make money in your part time, and, um, and uh, even within um, yeah certain spaces, then, then what you find as you get more into it that yeah there's kind of potential options if, you're, if your ethics and more morality is in there apparently it's, it's quite frankly to kind of go down a very slippery slope to stuff that is clearly border, you know it's, it's illegal activity and it just gets worse and worse so um it's it's and it's done with the best marketing in the world it's kind of yeah, yeah, very well positioned so that it catches people that aren't aware necessarily that this is, you know, the activity that will happen to them. So So that's, I think, a bit of a problem. And it's been particularly strong in the pandemic times. So our observation is, you know, as unfortunately the, the economy is getting smashed by the pandemic and, uh, you know, people's roles are even more uncertain, there's more and more people looking for kind of work from home schemes, side hustles, and it's drawing kind of casual people into ways to make money easily um into and so the sole crime as a service is an extension of it is it's kind of servicing a bit demand but it's also because tech has got good enough that it it can be big
0: so are we talking about full-on criminal startups here is this is this similar to if you were going to start a a legitimate startup and say i have this platform that's gonna help enable sales or help enable marketing or help enable whatever you're gonna help enable, are people literally creating platforms and then marketing them on the dark web and saying you can use my platform to do X and Y and Z and essentially outsourcing their knowledge of how to commit these types of crimes. Is that what you're talking about essentially? 100%, 100%. So the innovation that we show as
1: legit business and legit startups within the tech scene is completely mirrored in these uh, kind of more criminal minded enterprises. Um, so so uh, we, as part of kind of what we do, we, um, on a, we, we, I guess, controversially, we uh, interview sometimes active fraudsters. And as part of kind of getting to be introduced via uh, recommendations to that type of person, um, it's the same ecosystem as us. So for them, it's about being subject matter experts and individual kind of criminal activities, but then banding together and coming together as a complete service, just like we are as a business, right? When we, you know, we bring on people that are specialists in X and Y and Z and we bring it together. So exact same thing happens on that end. And it's it's becoming even more overt. That's the interesting thing. It's, it's out there it's easy to find you don't have to you know shuffle down to tour and uh, wait ages to get to get access into these onion sites anymore
0: that's absolutely unbelievable I had no idea that that was going on that it's it's been institutionalized I, I, I mean crime is a service fraud is a service I love it that is I mean I don't like it but you know what I mean that's a an incredibly powerful term I never really thought of it that way so what what are the returns that these people are seeing if I, if I'm skilled enough, that I'm going to create a whole platform to do this. Why am I not just going after really big fish on my own? I would assume somebody with that kind of skill level could really do high-level criminality where they're stealing millions and millions of dollars. Are they doing this because it's less risk for them? Are they doing it because it's maybe more intellectually interesting to them to own a business? Are they doing it because it's just easier and instead of spending your day trying to hack into NASA, you're just kind of putting this thing out there and collecting a passive income? Uh, what What is the motivation behind this?
1: Yeah, I think funnily enough, um, I think it's everything. I think there's a lot in the service economy. <laughs> That's just a wider motivation, And so you're seeing just specialisms of skill sets. So, for the same reason that in the legit market you have people that are experts at building marketplaces, two-sided marketplaces, the same thing is happening within the kind of fraud community, right, and the criminal community. Um, so, different skill sets are coming together, and they're they're forming a, a very sophisticated ecosystem. and And it's it, it's not that hard an imagination. It's literally a mirror of what goes on in the legit world, and that's all it is. And um, so, I, I mean, my my observations are there's probably less risk from servicing other criminals in, in the sense uh, where you're not necessarily attacking a bank or a government institution and you're literally providing a service so many of these are in the gray gray area um so one one good example is look up uh, kind of proxy services mm. legitimate use of proxy services and, and very strong kind of you know, political technology reasons to have these proxy services. But guess what? Some of these proxy services will 100% be used by fraudulent criminal reasons, right? To, to kind of evade kind of where they're coming from, where people are coming from. So there's often a dual-edged sword to many of these things. Um, yeah, for sure. Some of it is used for legit purposes, but definitely on the other side, it's used for, yeah, obviously criminal uh, proceeds.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So what on your end where you're protecting legitimate businesses. How are you using these fraudsters business models? Cause obviously when you're outsourcing something like this, it has to follow some kind of repetitive pattern. You're selling people a platform that does something in a certain way, and I'm sure they make attempts to randomize it and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, there has to be some kind of systematic knowledge behind it that's creating some kind of systematic way that you can kind of make it a, a, a turnkey solution where you say, here, take this and you go do what you're going to do with it. So from your end on the fraud fighting perspective, what are some of the red flags that you're seeing that can indicate that your your uh, uh, customer is getting attacked by these kinds of things? What are you looking for? What are what are the signals on your end?
1: Yeah, um, we're the first to admit, I, I think partly because we are um, trying on an R&D level to kind of understand the very latest trends and getting a feel, and like I said, we literally speak to active fraudsters on our podcast. And um, you know, that's a, a thing because we want to get into the mindset and we want to get into the psychology and even get into some tools if we can. But the, th- the thing about it is um, <laughs> every, and we're the first to say this, we're in a technical business, and being in a technical business, I would say, means that everything can be worked around. Uh, you know, that's just the reality of it. And I think anyone that says, you know, especially from a, from a tech vendor side, that it's bulletproof, I think that is the biggest question mark. So, so ironically, we're the first to say, yes, of course individual kind of methodologies whether it's device fingerprinting whether it's kind of some sort of ip kind of tracking etc etc can all be got around there's a workaround it's where we live in a technical world and um, having said that though i think our kind of philosophy about it is um really good platforms will have a net uh, me- uh, methodology to it so they'll they'll look at combining a ton of different signals and throwing a net over something so yeah the the kind of adversary uh, might be able to get past two three four or five things but our philosophy is trying to break the economics quite frankly for people that you know use our technology so a fraudster if they were determined enough i have no doubt they can get past almost anything and almost any net but typically, um, they don't want to persevere long enough, quite frankly. There's a, there's a gazillion other websites and businesses out there that haven't got sophisticated kind of protection. So they should, they, they will go after that. And, you know, fraudsters, just like a startup, um, and uh, just like a business, a profitable business, uh, are looking for you know, things that have ROI from a time investment point of view uh, as well. So, so I would say um, kind of the good platforms apply a net mentality to it and the signals they pick up, that's kind of the point of their, their, their platform. Um, I think what we found, just to kind of cap off on that, the thing that's helped us break into the market as a, as a technology is around, um, around social and real-time social uh, footprinting. So our, our philosophy um, and almost thesis is extremely simple we make the observation that the world is only moving more social, uh, not less, as time goes on. And that's a good or a bad thing, uh, you know. Uh, uh, that's just the way the, the world, uh, that we see it. So our, our technology is kind of well-known because it's around, and um, people using Ceylon can tell quickly if Bradley exists, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And so what we care more about is that's a good sign that someone's uh, Genuine, first of all, <laughs> and is more likely to be a real user versus someone that um, you, you know get an email address and it was created, uh, and there's no social footprint uh, on there. Um, and, and oftentimes we say that's not to say. Remind everyone that of course a fraudster can set up Bradley's complete Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. They can if they if they want to persevere, but again, that's not very economical. For them, yeah, that's not a scalable activity. Right. So, so that's kind of what we're kind of best known for is that social footprinting and yeah, in being able to tell quickly that someone exists or not.
0: So, can you give me an example of when you caught one of these bots or one of these rings? Some kind of outrageous attack? Do you have any have any any uh, juicy stories about that?
1: Uh, yeah, just uh, actually, this is very cool. I just uh, we were just talking about this before we we started uh, recording. Um, so in the online poker world, um, there was a there was a really interesting two plus two forum for for listeners that uh, aren't as nerdy about online poker. Uh, this is like the
0: yes, spread the nerdness online poker. Please.
1: Yeah, it's it's like the, the place of online record uh, two plus two community. And um, there was actually a dump. I think it was. I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a twenty gig uh, zip dump on the two plus two community, and it was talking about um, uh, poker bots uh, exposed, and that's what it was literally a transaction history uh, of um, yeah all the major uh, online poker sites and some of the correlations that were made. So it was a massive, massive dump of information and in there, um, it was trying to draw correlations between uh, betting activities amongst these different sites and how they were um, essentially using bots to, um, uh, to, to essentially cheat uh, on these sites. Right. Um, so what we did was, we, we did this as a bit of an actual research uh, exercise and, and since then it's kind of been used within some iGaming I, I uh, poker sites. Um, we'd, we'd, what we wanted to show was the email addresses that were exposed on there Using technologies like Xeon, we could actually draw correlations in those bots because they still had commonality between them, particularly the ones that had no social footprint. And that was, it's kind of almost like a very no brainery um, kind of observation that the poker bots created. Of course, they're not going to use Bradley's actual real Gmail account because... It's just, it, it would take too long to do. So instead, they go ahead and set up these temporary email addresses. And once you look at a massive data set like that and you run kind of technologies like ours, you can start drawing some really quick correlations of, well, duh, they should not have accepted those on their website to deposit in the first place
0: or withdraw. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense that you would see. Also, I think it speaks to the idea of the criminality goes across all kinds of barriers, right? You, you'd be thinking what do e-commerce stores and online gambling sites really have in common? Well, fraudsters can steal money from both using the same techniques. That's that's where that Venn diagram crosses, is where you would think that these worlds are completely separate because if you're an e-commerce store, you'd be thinking, well, what do even legitimate gaming sites and poker sites and gambling sites have to do with me? But fraudsters don't see it that way. They just see ways where they can take information off the Internet and use it to create accounts that they can profit from. And so it's it's a really interesting kind of example that you're giving. I really like it about how fraud doesn't know any boundaries. And a lot of times the the separations that industries think that they have are really ephemeral when you get into the online realm because the fraudsters can go from industry to industry with just the click of a mouse. It doesn't take anything. So these, these kinds of barriers just disappear. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting, interesting kind of way to think about it. And that's part of our mission as a publication is to try and get that word out to people because we, we definitely believe that the collaboration across the different industries and across the different solutions is so important because at the end of the day, everybody's just trying to protect legitimate merchants who have their livelihoods in their businesses. And the people that even if it's a a large company, the people that work for that company, everybody gets hurt when people are getting stolen from. And so it's uh, it's really interesting. I I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I really like that thought that even across the different industries, everybody's in the same boat with these people trying to steal.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, I'm a big supporter of what you guys are doing because you're kind of sitting across for sure. But think about it from a fraudster's end, you know, these guys are communicating on private telegram groups, they're in their own uh, individual Carter forums, and uh, they're not, they, they didn't organize a forum or a telegram group per uh, kind of, hey, there's some travel merchants we can exploit or there's some shops we can exploit. They, they are, yeah, very much across. We're just smashing anybody that has ways to exploit <laughs> There's zero, there's the, the only kind of thing uh, is, yeah, can we get past the technology existing in those uh, domains? Um, so it is a bugbear um, because you know, we, I think on the fraud fighting side, we've developed more, I would say, uh, vertical specific kind of communities Whereas um, the adversaries are very agnostic, and uh, it's one of the most effective things you know we've observed from them is that they're very quick to move as well. Um, you know, like a flock of birds, uh, they will uh, you know pick up signals that uh, a particular sector is open or a particular merchant name is open, and they just go after it. Uh, yeah. And that, that's what's tough. And, and I was going to say also on ret- the retail side. The the funny thing from our observation is. Um, uh, I would say retail is probably one of the easier ones to help with from a fraud tech point of view. Um, uh, and the lessons learned dealing with these kind of higher risk areas are very, very nicely translated into more mainstream e-com kind of risk, I would say. Um, this, yeah, the, the kind of the crypto exchanges, these kind of like poker sites, these iGaming sites, um, they sit at the forefront and they're having by necessity to be... Um, even more ninja like when they when they think of fraud and risk, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a great lesson, I think, for fraud managers listening that you you gotta get out of your own lane. It's not just about what's going on in your specific area, but it's about what what this community, so to speak, of fraud people is is doing because they're they're moving across. You know, you think of yourself as a, a merchant in this space or that space They don't they don't think of you that way. So if you can get info from another area that uh, anywhere where people are fighting fraudsters to say this is what we're seeing, it's valid for you, too. You got to take that information and translate it over to yourself and not just think, oh, well, that's online gaming, right? That that's, uh, you know, not me. And that's just not the case. 100%.
1: Hundred percent. I'll, I'll I'll promise my second story. I did mention was kind of two stories. So the okay. first one was around the face swap stuff, uh, but also Bradley. Uh, the second one I I, uh, I can think of there is actually so swap the domain over again. These guys are um, uh, video games, and they deliver an instant product. Uh, so again, it's kind of instant. Uh, so once it's done, it's done, and uh, they can't reverse payment back. But they told uh, they, they were telling me about a really interesting case where um, they saw actually they allow a uh, pay-by-phone in their market, so you can literally add on the product onto your phone bill. And uh, they actually had an instance where they couldn't work out what the heck was going on, but what, what happened was their fraud was perpetuated uh, from somebody coming in and literally hacking a local telephone network on the street, so public street, coming in, using that phone number, hacking into it, and then charging a bunch of pro- product against it and uh, and that's what when they did their research afterwards uh, on the chargebacks, that's what they all linked it back to. So there's this weird like um, physical fraud domain where they were literally coming in. I mean, that, that like was, a, to
0: me, you mean like a physical payphone on the street?
1: Yeah, it, it was a, it was a it was the network of like a residential phone lines, uh, like that you can access from the street if you you bust open the cabinet and uh oh, they, they broke actions,
0: open the you know? cat like the the box we thought wow yeah it, was, yeah it was kind of crazy yeah oh, and these are residential lines
1: right and they, and then they were charging product off that individual's home phone line and that's kind of how they paid for the product obviously it didn't matter to them and uh yeah it's kind of crazy as well
0: so what were they they were just saying um they were saying that they were coming from that phone line and you So if that if that phone number was connected to an account that had automatic payments set up or or a card already saved for payment, they were hacking in through that line and saying, "I want to charge my card." That is unbelievable. That is yeah. I guess you. I guess
1: so. It's very localized fraud. They must have been able to work out. First of all, they had to have someone on the ground to get into that local network. But then they would have known the area code, I guess, and I guess. If they really could be bothered, they would have had, they could even work out to that particular uh, house. Yes, it could, I guess, kind of work. How did they, how did they? It, uh, break... that somebody was using. How did they break physical... into the box?
0: Aren't those things secure? Uh, like, how did they? That's probably be the easiest bit
1: out of this, right? <laughs> so you're breaking yeah.
0: in and then you're using the physical connection. I guess you're routing it through something else to make it look like you're calling from that number. Is that?
1: Yeah, like I would have said the break in the box would have been the easiest bit of this whole thing. All that back end stuff of how they tied it to that particular residential address and said, hey, just charge my my phone number instead. I think that was a payment option. That was my understanding from this uh, video game company is uh, they allowed a pay by phone option. And I guess that's what they took advantage of somehow. But, yeah, it kind of blew my mind as well,
0: yeah, yeah, because I guess they figured no one's going to be able to hack. you would actually have to have the physical phone to call from that phone number yeah. that is yeah this go that one of the recurring themes of this podcast is me just being shocked that the people that pull this stuff off don't just go into business, legitimate business i because I could tell you, I never would have thought of that. I, you know, I, these people would do very well for themselves in legitimate circles because that is some next level uh, stuff right there to you're hacking into the, the phone box out on the street. It, wow. If you have that much drive and dedication, open a business. You'll do you'll do way better for yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. Back to you back to a comment you made earlier, you know, what kind of ROIs are these guys getting? I think I think clearly they're doing that activity because the ROIs are astronomical. Um, you know, they do run the risk of incarceration, of course. Yeah, well that, <laughs> that's Everyone. where I, you know, Besides, <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: forget the moral stuff. I don't do things as a general policy, anything that I think is going to get the state to use its powers against me, I try to stay away from. <laughs> Just as a general life policy, <laughs> but I guess other people don't care. <laughs> so, did you cut out? I think a little you, long. Oh, no, yeah, a little long. no, no, no. Oh, you I cut out. Was, was being, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, say that again because I the internet, I guess, was bad. I missed it was silent.
1: Okay. No worries. We can we can edit that out. I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah, it just lulled. it lulled there for a second. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Uh, I am I am always appalled and impressed whenever we have episodes of this podcast at the the crazy things that people do. We can we can now add busting yeah. into telephone boxes to the list of. I got I think I got to do a top ten list for the site of crazy crazy things that people do. It's wild. I. I yeah. I don't know. For, for me, it's always this
1: kind of strange uh, mix of stuff that you wouldn't even consider in uh, Cardinal present fraud uh, being you know like where, where there is a physical element to it. And increasingly these things are mixing up. I mean you know the more obvious thing in retail right is where you've got return, especially in our, um, my market in the UK, uh, you've got extremely high return fraud levels. Um, I, I'd say the pandemic has even uh, kind of boosted this. Um, And and some of it is, you know, very kind of gray again, like it starts off as kind of probably genuine kind of um, things that you're trying to do, but it kind of segues a little bit into being extremely gray after a while when you, you know, take advantage of return policies and you're just Abusing them, quite frankly, and that really hurts for the classic, you know, e-tailer, Of course, that hurts, and um, we already know how high re- uh, return rates are for CNB already for for retail. But imagine now in a situation where people are now abusing that, uh, and, that and that's uh, that's kind of a sad thing. Uh, and you know, sometimes we're, we're a technology company that deals with this. Sometimes we don't have necessarily the answer. It's, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's is my culture that we are going consumers as well. Some of it's okay um as well
0: well jimmy i feel like we could sit here and talk for forever but you know i I don't want to take up any more of your time and so why don't you uh sign off by letting us know where people can find you on the web how they can get in touch with you um and uh and then we'll call it a podcast
1: yeah absolutely so uh we're always happy to help and uh you know, have these uh, have these chats. Love to hear these crazy stories uh, from uh, from merchants. <laughs> so, uh, we're reachable on uh, seon.io, S-E-O-N.io. uh Very happy to help.
0: All right. Well, it's been great talking to you, and looking forward to to getting this out into the world and letting people know that their phone boxes are not as safe as they had thought they were. That's that's uh, the global takeaway from this podcast. <laughs> <that we had. laughs>
1: Jimmy. Cheers, brother. (laughs) Cheers, brother.